On today's show, we discuss the future of Luke Shen with the Maple Leafs, and do we need to abolish the term, the core four? All that more coming up on the Lockdown Leafs podcast, part of Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome into the Locked On Leafs podcast, a daily Maple Leafs-centric podcast hosted by myself, Mike DiStefano from TSN, along with my guy, Dave Morissuti from Sportsnet. Uh, a couple things to touch on today's show. There was a report out uh, west about Luke Shen and what his future might be as a free agent, so we'll touch on that. And there's this weird conversation going on about the term core four and how that could possibly be a problematic thing that might be causing a subconscious rift in the locker room. We'll touch on that report and get to that. And uh, obviously, Vegas one game away from the Stanley Cup. Will they get it done? We will tell you our thoughts a little bit later. But let's start with the Luke Shen stuff. And uh, this is a report that came from Donnie and Dolly out west. Rick Dollawall talking about the future of Luke Shen. Um, he is a pending UFA for the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I don't know about you, Dave, but I thought that Luke Shen was way better than uh, than advertised than what I expected him to be in his second tour duty with the Maple Leafs. For me, he's one of the top, you know, people of interest when I'm looking at these 10 pending UFAs for the Maple Leafs. Yeah, I mean, when you look at when Luke Shen was brought here initially, he wasn't even in the lineup, right? He had to kind of get himself into that lineup. Just He kind of took over Justin Hall's. Remember, that was like the first time we saw Justin Hall come out. We were like, Hallelujah, praise. And ever since Luke Shen got into the lineup, he didn't give Sheldon Keefe really a reason to take him out. I think a lot of people were surprised, more so Sheldon Keefe, to see that Luke Shen went into the, you know, was able to take a top four role, you know, and especially not just a top four role where, you know, he was sheltered. Like he played tough minutes, you know, playing with Morgan Riley, playing yeah. against top competition. I was. You know, you couldn't have asked any more out of Luke Shen. I think that was probably one of, if you're looking at the trades made, his might have been one of the more impactful based on value of what the Leafs gave up and what they got back. The most impactful, if you're asking me. I thought he was more impactful by the end of it. I mean, at at, at the be at certain points, you could argue Ryan O'Reilly, but by the time you know the second round came, it looked like O'Reilly was dealing with an injury. Luke mm-hmm. Shen became the more impactful player in my estimation from all of the deadline additions. So I think bringing him back into the fold would be a great thing to do. I mean, if you look at what they were able to do as a pairing, him and Luke Shen in the playoffs, they're one of the best pairings legitimately that uh, when you look at expected goal differential, they were one of the best pairings that the Maple Leafs had. One of the best pairings in the NHL. Like their expected goals were like under two per 60. And there's not a whole lot of Leafs that, uh, that were able to do that. So you know, I think that for sure Toronto should definitely be looking to keep this guy in the fold uh, long term. And apparently, according to Rick Dollawall, a, a good reporter out west who, you know, has ties. Obviously, they're more of a Vancouver-based um, team and they're 
Vancouver based show, but with Luke Shen, the thought was maybe Vancouver wants to bring him back into the fold. That, why don't we show the the clip that he was saying on his show what he's hearing on Luke Shen and might be a positive for Leaf fans hoping that he comes back. Luke Shen. Yeah, I just wanted to give a, an update on Luke Shen. Um, he is talking with the Maple Leafs about staying in Toronto. Uh, Shen is obviously going to get a well-deserved bump in pay, but he's also looking for term, Donnie, no surprise there, and some trade protection as well after bouncing around so much the last uh, few years. He's got a young family looking for a more stable situation. You can't blame him. I mean, I, I if he gets to July 1st, there's going to be a ton of interest in Luke Shen. Um, I think he got that playoff feel mm-hmm. going two rounds. He got a taste of the playoffs. He got the taste of the playoffs. Again. I don't see him going. That's just just my gut. I don't see him saying, you know, and everybody knows Vancouver. We don't know what's going to happen here next year. Donnie, if there's going to be playoffs or not, we have no idea. You know, I I think, you know, you fight hard to become a UFA. And when you do, you get to pick and choose. And you want to pick and choose. You want to pick a winner. I'm just, you know, I think he liked it in Toronto. Do you think he wants to stay there? Oh, yeah, for sure. And okay. I think they are talking, but I also think that, uh, you know, at his age, 33, probably wants to play on a winner now, you know? Yeah. And, and say what you want about the Leafs, but at, at this point, as we speak today, they have more chance of winning the Stanley Cup than the, than the Canucks do. And I, I think he surprised a lot of people in Toronto oh, yeah. who have, you know, long memories and they remember the disappointment uh, that, you know, uh, Luke Shen's career started out with. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, high first round draft pick in, in Toronto. That's it. Uh, off he goes to Philadelphia and Arizona and, and Vancouver all over. And, and Tampa all Bay, over. all over the place. And his just he uh, is the poster boy for perseverance. And you know, altering your your game, and I think people were surprised. I think maybe even Sheldon Keefe was surprised because he gave him significant oh. ice time in the playoffs. Morgan Riley, and it was, was I think Riley. you know, d- despite what happened in you know, like against the Florida Panthers yeah. in the playoffs, real positive experience for uh, him and and the Leafs. And who tried to get uh, Luke Shen at the trade deadline? Brad Tree living in Calgary. Where is Brad Tree living now? So there you have it. So a couple of things, um, you know, it, it, it sounds like he wants to stay in Toronto. And, you know, Rick Dollawall, very connected with, you know, anything that's happening in Vancouver and the Vancouver players. And with Luke Shen coming from there, you got to think he's got some connections um, with the Luke Shen camp, if not Luke himself. So I, I, I trust his reporting that he, he wants to stay and that they are talking with the Toronto Maple Leafs, um, that he wants to play for a winner. Obviously, Toronto, whatever you want to say about the team, they've, they're a winner. They are 100% a Stanley Cup contender as long as they have this group in place, which they they currently do. And I think that's, you know, the the plan is to also contend next season, not to take a step back. So I, I think that uh, there would be interest from Luke Shen. Um, the interesting thing there that he said, though, at the end was, yeah. you know, there was interest from Calgary when Brad Trilliving was the GM there to try and bring him in as a, uh, you know, a piece of the deadline, they didn't get it done. Obviously he ends up going to Toronto. I mean, isn't that really nice to hear (laughs) if you want Luke Shen to come back that, okay, Shen enjoyed his time here. And, you know, it sounds as though Brad Trilliving had an affinity for Luke Shen at the deadline. Things went very, very well. You know, he brought the best out of Morgan Riley during the playoffs. Sounds like there could, this could be a match made in heaven that they probably will figure something out here, Dave. 
I think the important thing too is when you hear Brad Chalivin talk about what he wants to do in Toronto, and he talked a lot about the defense. And you look at the playoffs, you look at the teams that have gone far in the playoffs, Florida. I'll even put like a team like Dallas, you put Vegas. I think Vegas obviously strong, physical, heavy defensemen. Like the Leafs, they 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 made that a priority when they brought in Luke Shen because they didn't have who else other than Luke Shen was bringing that style to the team, right? Like Jordano did it last year. I think he kind of he lost a step for sure in the playoffs, and I think that hurt the Leafs too. That they didn't really have anyone other than Luke Shen that was providing kind of that wearing down physical style on the back end. And you're seeing in the playoffs right now, yes, you need speed, you need skill, but you also need that physical play. You got to wear down your opponent somehow, and that's something the Leafs just could not do against Florida, and it showed. Yeah, six foot two, 225 pounds. Luke Shen has the size and the and the uh, the weight, I guess, if you want to look at it. That um, that is considered an, an asset if you know for Bradshaw living and what he likes to have on the blue line. You look at Calgary; there are a lot of big, tough, physical defensemen in Calgary. So you know, I definitely see a, a match here with Luke Shen and the Toronto Maple Leafs. The question is, well, what does that contract look like? How much would he want? to have to stick in Toronto. Is there a discount in the fold? Is it going to have to be term? Um, like Rick said, is there trade protection that's going to have to be involved to the Maple Leafs willing to go there? That That's the question. And I guess my follow-up to you, Dave, is going to be what, what does a good contract look like for Luke Shen that's fair for him and the Maple Leafs? Like what, where are you comfortable at term and dollar-wise? Yeah, and you brought the the trade protection too. Like you know, I think in that clip when you listen to it, the big the big second point was making sure that you have some trade protection because this is someone who has bounced around from city to city to city to city, and you know you get to a certain point in your career where, yeah, he's already won a Stanley Cup. Yeah, he still wants to win, but he also doesn't. Yeah, sorry, two Stanley Cups. Uh, you don't want to have to continue to do the the moving with it, especially he's got a young family. That's something he takes, you know, that, that takes yeah. importance too. Literally just had another baby in February. March? Or wait, it was February. like when he got treated. Like yeah, when he whenever got that happened. So I guess like, yeah, last weekend of February, maybe it was. Yeah. Yeah. So I so I think he's gonna want at least two years. And it seems like if you're I mean, if you look at um what the deals are looking like now, if I'm not I'm mean, like you look at Gavikov, he signed for two years because he knows in a few years. The salary cap is going up. Now, I don't think Luke Shen is trying to do what Gavrikov is doing because I think they're yeah, me either. Yeah. But I think a two-year deal probably is what he's looking for, at least not to have that uh, that one year. Because he did sign two years in, in Vancouver, right? So it was two years, yeah. $1.7 So I'm thinking, are you doing two years in and around an AEV between 175 and 2.5 is kind of where I'm thinking – in that range for Luke. AAV? You're looking at AAV at that AAV. price. Yeah. AAV. So, if, so if he says, um, give me, give me three years, give me three years at 6.3. We'll say 6 million. We'll just make it 6 million. Yeah. So that's 2 million a season on a three-year deal. You give me trade protection. Are you signing off on that deal? If you're true living. I would, I think for $2 million, like, 
that, that's a guy who proved he could play top four minutes, likely better off in a bottom six role. Well, how concerned are you, though, that at 33 years old, going to be 34 next season, how concerned are you that this was just kind of a revelation and you sign him to a $2 million deal and all of a sudden he kind of turns into a pumpkin maybe and the legs really start to go on him and maybe he's not as an impactful and you've got him under contract and you've got him at a pretty healthy cap hits for the next three seasons. Like, would that not worry you at all on that type of deal? So what I would do in this sort of case, if he wants trade protection, you say trade protection for the first two years, third year of that deal, you don't get trade protection. That's how I would try to structure that. But I, the thing for me with Luke Shen, he was never the fastest skater. Even when he came into the NHL first and foremost, skating was never a strong suit for him, right? And he's actually proven these last few years that he can play a style that seems to benefit him. Um, like, if you play him with the right partner, he he can be serviceable. He can... Yeah, $2 million seems like a lot, but we also have been paying Justin Hall $2 million the last few years. Now, Justin Hall is a little bit younger than Luke Shen. I do understand that. I don't think he's, I don't know if he's that much off. I think they're roughly yeah, like a four year difference between the two. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, $2 million seems like a stretch. If, if you're getting the three years, maybe you can get the AAV down to the point where it's, you know, not yeah. as big of a blow. I think I'd be more comfortable. Like if you want, if you want two years, two million, like two years at, at yeah, two million AAV. I think I'd I'd be willing for that. Mm-hmm. But if you want to stretch it to that third year, I think I'd need a little bit lower on the AAV, like a one seven five or something like that times three, just that, something just a little bit less. And that's why I suggested two years. Two years is a term I'm comfortable with. They did that with Mark Giordano to get him to take. A lower cap it they gave him two years so i think if you tell luke shen we're going to give you a two-year commitment the thing is if there's multiple suitors on luke shen like you might have to give up a little bit more you know what i mean like if if the, the report that rick gave is there's multiple teams that would be interested in luke shen like I, i'm not sure you could say hey we're only going to give you two years because that's what we did to geo i mean geo was like i'm going to toronto and that's it like there was no competition for luke shen there's going to be some competition there when it gets to free agency. There's going to be multiple teams that are going to be looking to, to get this guy paid. And if you look around the defensive market's not really that strong. And you actually just saw a couple come off the board with Gavrikov and Damon Severson, both signing extensions. Provorov was another player that maybe some teams could have used as a defensive upgrade. And he's no longer on the board with him going to Columbus. Now all of a sudden like Luke Shen's value maybe goes up a little bit. So that's the only thing where I'm at with Luke Shen, where, you know, I, I, I think to an extent you do bring him back, but there is certainly going to have to be a cap of what that is. And I would imagine that if Luke Shen wants to come back to Toronto, there might have to be a little bit of money left on the table and a bit of a discount for, you know, it to make sense for the Leafs, I would say. But yeah, yeah we'll see. We'll see what happens. For sure. All right. Let's take uh, a quick break when we come back. Let's talk about this term, the core four. There's this report from Elliot Friedman that apparently the core four term maybe causing a bit of a rift in the locker room, a, a rift that's that's you know hindering the opportunity to to make a good culture. I don't know. We'll get into it on the other side. Um, but first, Dave, have a word from our show sponsor. 
Yes, today's show is brought by a product that I use literally every day, AG1 by Athletic Greens. Maybe you're like me, you want to be healthy and eat well, but it's always easier said than done. That's longer the case with AG1, because with one delicious scoop of AG1 in a glass of water, each day you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, nervous system, immune system, energy recovery, focus, and aging, all of those lovely things I just listed. It can be hard and expensive to keep track of multiple different supplements and vitamins, not to mention how hard it can be on your stomach. AG1 does cost you less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. So right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition to make it easy. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free, I said free, one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Welcome back into the Lockdown These Podcast. I'm Mike DeStefano with Dave Morissuti. Just a reminder, we are continuing to put out daily Leafs content throughout the week. Every Monday to Friday, we'll have new episodes out wherever you get your podcasts. Also up on YouTube. Don't forget, you should uh, subscribe to the Lockdown Leafs Pod if you enjoy the conversation that you're hearing today because there's a lot of stuff that's going to be going down between now and, and July 1st and even beyond. So make sure that you're subscribed to the Lockdown These Podcasts to stay up to date on what's going on in Leafland. And one of the kind of new conversations that's kind of percolating throughout Leafland of late is, uh, you know, the, the conversation about potentially abolishing the term the core four because it's potentially been a bit of a problematic term within the Leafs locker room. And, this report kind of comes from Elliot Friedman, who talked about it on the 32 Thoughts podcast. Dave, I know that you listened to it, so you want to kind of relay the message that Elliot was talking about when referring to, you know, this report of the core four and, and some of the, the other players not appreciating that uh, that term. Yeah, it, so much. I mean, we talked about it all throughout the year about this idea of the core four. Matthews, Marner, Neil, Andrew, Tavares, the guys who – pretty much combined to make a, a majority of the Leafs cap, pretty much attention on a daily basis. And what Freeman was kind of talking about. I was saying, yeah. it's like 50% of the cap, but they also have scored 51% of the goals. Yeah. yeah. So but they, anyways. yeah. So they, they have definitely done their half basically. So it kind of gives us this idea that, it's it's the Toronto Maple Leafs, but it's the Toronto Maple Leafs of the core four. Like those are the guys that kind of get all the attention. Now Freeman said, and I listened to this because when he was talking about all of this and how it was too much attention being shared upon them, how the identity of the team kind of revolves around them so much, it wasn't so much of a jealousy thing that players were jealous about it, but it just makes it tough to really I make you know make it feel like it's a twenty three man roster when four guys get all the attention and it's always like it's on them. And I, and, and look the way the Leafs play, who are usually the top four guys leading an ice time every night. Now, granted they're being paid and they're good players, but you know, Mitch Marner's playing, you know, at times 23, 24 minutes. We see an Austin Matthews play that as well. Nylander and Tavares, not as much, but they do get their fair share. And then it kind of just feels like everyone around them is like spare parts, right? They're just, constructing with just 
these four guys and then trying to build around them. And that's that's a tough thing for a team that's you know trying to compete and they're trying to identify what the re- what they want the rest of the roster to be. So when Bradshaw Living was brought in, he was asked about the core four. Like literally one of the like, what would you do you feel like you're gonna change the core four? And he pretty much said, I don't like that term because this is the Toronto Maple Leafs. It's about the full team in the locker room, not just four guys. And that's, I think, where some people were – that's where I started to get the idea of, okay, True Living definitely wants to take the attention away from these four guys, but it's hard not to when those guys are making as much money as they do. Making as much money as they do and producing and the expectation on those yes. guys more so than anybody else. You know, like Austin Matthews – you know, he, he didn't score 50 goals this year, and it was looked upon as a down year for Austin Matthews. Could you imagine if Kerfoot potted 40? Could you imagine the celebration if Alex Kerfoot had a 40-goal season? Like, yeah. that's what it is. It's it's expectation around these core four players and how they're higher than anybody else. For one, you know, the, the what they can do just from their skill level and the productivity they can provide, but also their contracts, obviously, is, is another reason why they all are referred to as the core four. When when Riley signed his deal, some started to call it the Fab Five, however you want to slice it. I'll say this, though. Here's where I, I, I somewhat laugh at this, at this you know, conversation, because not once, not one time, has Matthews, Marner, Nylander, or Tavares ever referred to themselves as the core four. This has always been a media-driven term. Like, so two things. When the Leafs say that uh, nothing from the media is is getting into the room, that's a bold-faced lie because clearly this is getting into the room, the term the core four. Yep. And second of all, Tree Living wasn't the first Leafs manager to say, I don't like the term the core four. Kyle Dubas used to say it all the time. He's like, you guys always speak of the core four. He said, we have a, a larger core group that we refer to when I refer to the core. And he always had Muzzin included in there. Hyman was included when he was, you know, part of it. Despite those guys not wearing a letter or not being part of that core four term, they were always part of the core. Freddie Anderson was part of the core. Whenever big group decisions were made, all of these guys were kind of lumped into making these decisions. Did things change when some of those guys ended up leaving the locker room? Like, you know, Muzzin and Hyman and Freddie, maybe, and did others not step up in their absence? Perhaps that could be the case, and, and that sometimes happens when you see mass turnover year after year. But it's not like this was, you know, a term that the Leafs themselves or that management or that the players, you know, boasted about or talked amongst themselves, referring to themselves as the core four. This has always been a fan and media-driven term. This is what what kind of bugs me about this report. And, I mean, what how, how are you going to stop that from happening? Are you and I all of a sudden just going to stop referring to those guys as the core four? No, we're not. Brad Chilliming might might not refer to it as the core four, but is that really going to change anything? Because they weren't referred to that internally before anyway either. It's always been an external term by the media and the fan base. And I'm not quite sure why this is now being brought up as like, there's like a problem with this term and that it's affecting the group in, internally. Like, I don't think that there could really be a way to change it unless 
you legitimately trade one of these players. I think that's the only way that you can really abolish the core four is if it's no longer a core four and one of them find themselves on a one-way ticket out of the city. That's honestly what I believe. It's the only way that that term is going to be stricken from the record of, you know, Leafs Nation going forward. No, and that's why we kept talking about the need to trade to potentially move off one of these guys just because not not just because you need to, to move a guy for sake of making a move, but just because when you build your identity around four guys and you have to try to figure out a way to fill a roster, it's so tough when it's so much being invested into those four, right? And when all those four guys are making so much money and it's like, well, they got their money, now we need them to produce and the production hasn't been there, right? And then the rest of the roster kind of lacks because you're trying to nickel and dime your way to figure it out, right? To figure out how to fill out the rest of the roster. And that's the thing too. Like the core four also puts more pressure on the players. Like I wonder if even like, I would guarantee you that Matthews and Marner and Tavares and Nylander don't like it either because when they're losing, who do we blame? Right. The core four, right? Because often it's them who's not producing. It, it, It often is them. But it's not like we're saying, oh, didn't get enough out of David Camp. Didn't get any goals from Sam Lafferty or Alex Kerfoot or, you know, Timothy Lilligren. No, it's always the core four is the one who take the brunt of of the negative, the negativity that's spewed about the Maple Leafs as well when they don't produce. And typically it's because it's those guys, because they they those four players that we talk about often that make up the core four term, Matthews, Marner, Tavares, and Nylander, when they're rolling – the team's on fire. The team is winning a lot of games. When they're not, the team is not winning a whole lot of games. So, you know, internally they could hate the term and they could hate whatever they want, but ultimately the success always will 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 fall under what those four guys are doing. Whether you want to lump them as a core four or just say, hey, some of our best players, it really doesn't matter. I just, I don't know. I thought that it was kind of a, a weird report. To, to come out and and that play, other players internally may have an issue with it. It's it's not them who wants it. Ultimately, it was yeah. it was the media and it was the fan base that kind of came up with the term and, and ran with it. I'm not really sure what internally the team is supposed to do about that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they didn't they didn't start selling merchandise to say the core four, no. right? Like none of that was happening. This was obviously. I mean, we talk about it too, so we kind of throw the core four up but we didn't that's what i mean it's it's, it's the media that is us we are lumped into it it is partly our fault i get that but what are they supposed to do about it the team there's not really much you can do right like if you look at you trade um, one of the players so that we can't talk about the core four because there's no longer a core four that's the only way out of it if you ask me that's why you trade somebody you say why did you trade this why did you trade nylander well we wanted the people to stop look at them as a core four like that's not an excuse to trade somebody. No, I'm just saying that's the only way that I think it actually. Yeah, happens. it's just your thought process. That's how we we can get away from. If they really want to get away from that idea, that's the only way really to happen. Happen. Yeah, yeah. Like that's the only organic way to stop using that term is for it to no longer exist. As in the core four, no longer exists. Again, this is something that uh, I guess we'll, we'll have to keep an eye on whether or not a trade does come to fruition. We we it doesn't sound as though they're willing to do uh, to to do much there with the core four. They kind of like the players. 
those those core guys, I suppose we'll call them then. Like I don't really know how uh, how else to refer to them at this point now. If that's what we're trying to do, is is disband that term. But should be an interesting offseason with uh, with a lot of those guys being in the rumor mill, and we'll see if something actually comes uh, comes to light. All right, uh, on the other side, Vegas. One went away from uh, winning themselves a Stanley Cup. Why don't we touch on what we've seen so far through the Cup Final, give our thoughts on who the Conn Smythe frontrunners should be. So we'll get to that on the other side. But first, let me tell you about one of today's show sponsors. It's eBay Motors. A championship team is about each player being a perfect fit. Same with their vehicle. So for parts that fit, head to eBay Motors and look for the green check. Stay in the game with eBay Guaranteed Fit, ebaymotors.com. Let's ride eBay guaranteed fit only available to us customers eligible items only exclusions apply. Welcome back into the lockdown. These podcasts. It's Mike DeStefano and Dave Morissuti. Uh, all this nonsense off ice Leafs mumbo jumbo that's going on. There's actually some hockey that's still being played with the Stanley cup final. We are through four games of the cup final Vegas up three games to one. They got it done last night, three, two win just held on in the final seconds. Uh, they were up three, nothing. And then, you know, the Florida Panthers, those pesky Panthers, you know, coming back the comeback cats, as they call them, um, almost did it again. But uh, Aiden Hill came up big with a couple of saves in the final minute to stop the, uh, the Panthers come back and, and put them up three games to one. Uh, and now they head back to Vegas for Game Five. That is going to be on Tuesday. Tuesday, right? Sunday, Monday. Yes, yeah. Tuesday. Um, you think they get it done? You think they get it done in five at home? Well, they've been really good at home. I feel like for Florida to get the win at home, obviously was was crucial. But I just think um, like they barely eked out those wins at home, right? With that advantage for themselves. I just think Vegas, they're they're a veteran team. They know that they're just one win away. Bruce Cassidy, like, what did he do after game three? He gave the guys a day off. Like on their off day, just don't even don't even think about game three. Go and enjoy Florida for the day. And then they came back and they won game four, right? So I have a really good feeling about them in game five. I think winning it in Vegas would also be really cool to have that first Stanley Cup win to be on, on home ice. So I, I'm I'm rooting for that storyline. I don't want the I, I always like the team winning on, on uh home ice. Can't remember, I don't think Colorado won it on home ice last year. I think it was oh I think they won it in Tampa last year. So I think so, yeah. So it's been a little while since we've had a team actually win a Stanley Cup in their home building. So I'd like to see that see that happen. Yeah, I'd like to see it happen too. I think um and they deserve it, man. Like that, that Vegas crowd is is always so fired up. So to give them as them a Stanley Cup, I mean, they got to witness a, uh, somebody win a cup in their building back when Vegas, or yeah, the first time they were there, Washington. Remember, they won in Vegas. But if they could, their own home crowd could win a cup, um, that'd be awesome. That really, really would be awesome. And hey, you won't even have to fly fly out to party. You just take it right to the strip. I mean, that'll be that'll be something for sure. But I think also you look at it like Kachuk's banged up, like the guy's playing so hurt, you could tell. Um, so that kind of takes him out of the equation a little bit. I mean, he's still out there gutting it out there, which is, you know, crazy to see. Um, you know, Bobrovsky's doing what he what he can do. He's still playing at a very high level, just not the otherworldly level that he was at during the Toronto and the 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 Carolina series. 
But ultimately, for me, Vegas just too deep, too good, and they play the right way. And and, and Florida is having a tough time with that because they were a team that was just really opportunistic and waited for you know Carolina and Toronto and Boston to make a mistake, and then they were capitalizing on that. I mean, this this Vegas team just doesn't make a mistake. They don't turn the puck over, right? Yeah. And, and and that's why they've really struggled to to produce some offense here. And uh, you know, Vegas has found a way to put pucks past Bobrovsky. So I think that it's done two and five. That's that's just my opinion. Um, really quickly before we we jet here, uh, who do you think is uh, the consummate front runner right now? Not because I put money on him, but I think Jonathan Marcheseau would be my pick. Yeah. Because and it's not just how he's played in the Cup final, but it's the whole Cup like the whole playoffs. Ooh. 13 games in the last 14 or 13 goals in the last 14 games. Yeah. It's insane what this guy's been able to do. I know that Jack Eichel will get some love too, because, you know, I'm not saying because he's a name, but he's also been really good in the playoffs. And Chandler Stevenson, I think will get some love too. I mean, he's an under, he's an underrated pick right now. Like, He's, yeah. he's he's he was huge in game. I mean, he was the reason why they won Game Four. Yeah, two goal performance. So I I yeah, Chandler Stevenson. I didn't really think about him too much, but yeah, I I personally think Jonathan Marsh shows the front runner. Um, and then I think yeah, you can make a case for like Eichel and Stevenson to be almost neck and neck for just behind him. No Aiden Hill. You're not throwing Aiden Hill into that mix. I mean, it'd be deserving too. Goalies usually get a nice little bump, but. He wasn't there in round one, and I think some people are going to hold that to hold that yeah. against him. But I mean, ever since he came in, like he's been so good. But yeah, I I think In Hills in my like he's like he's obviously up there too. But I I just think Marsh is so has been so crucial to score all those all the goals he's been scoring. Like he's just been so key for their offense. Curious if you had to pick one of the goalies though. Like if you're doing a power ranking, I guess of like the five, or you're given a ballot where you had to do your your top five, would Bobrovsky or Aiden Hill, like who would who would you write down first? I still do Bobrovsky. Yeah, even if they lose in five games. Yeah, like he hasn't gotten much help. <laughs> like he's he's expected to what stop two goals, every, like, make sure they get they he doesn't allow more than two goals every night. Like that's. I mean, he's done. He's done it for the most part, but like he's just he's just had to, he's the workload he's had to carry throughout the playoffs has been ridiculous. So like, and he's just been so good. So I still would go with Bobrovsky atop. Yeah, yeah, that's probably the right call, just based on those round two and three performances mm-hmm. alone. And and he's been he's been good, just not otherworldly here in the in the Stanley Cup Final. It's it's tough to do as well when you're you know getting screened by your to or buy your defenseman a lot and you know being peppered with with some pretty high high danger chances as well all right well we uh we'll probably tee that one up also on tomorrow's show just a little bit more um but just wanted to kind of touch on that one coming off of the weekend we'll see where the luke shen stuff goes and also nah, the core four thing i honestly do not see that going anywhere unless they make a trade that being said on tomorrow's show I want to get into the discussion about what 
some of these contracts could start to look like, though. We haven't really gone deep into what a Matthews or a Nylander extension could look like. They're eligible in just a few weeks. So I think on tomorrow's show and Wednesday, we'll start to dive into the what those extensions could look like or should look like. So make sure that you're subscribed um, if you want to hear that conversation. That'll do it for us here today on the podcast, though. To thank you all for listening and supporting to the show, you can subscribe to the Lockdown Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms, also up on YouTube, and receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow Dave at D underscore Morris Sudi, follow the show as well, at Lockdown Leaves on Twitter. Uh, go ahead, smash that like button if you're watching on YouTube. Leave a comment down below your thoughts. Is the core four term going to be abolished? Or also let us know, what is the ideal contract you want Luke Shen to sign here in Toronto? Let us know in the comment section down below. We'll be back with another episode for you all tomorrow. But until then, keep it locked right here on Lockdown Leaves.